Palumbo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, 3 o'clock hour, Birds and Gambo show here, live from the Action Community Studios on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, scheduled to talk with campaign. I expect he'll be calling in in moments. Hopefully we'll have a good conversation with the Suns' backup point guard after, once again, he had another good night for the Phoenix Suns last night. It was a good night for the bench all around, Gambo, as the bench, uh, just another, Ish Wainwright, 9, TJ Warren, 9, Bismack Biombo 11, campaign had 12, Terrence Ross had 13, big night for the bench and quite frankly they needed it we haven't talked much about Devin Booker in that game he got off to an incredible start not the first quarter if he banged his hand and and Ten. had some issues with that mm-hmm. he was two for 10 the rest of the way after his amazing first quarter you know that first quarter he had 18 points in the first quarter and he actually ended the first quarter with a nice block on Toscana Anderson at the buzzer at the buzzer Suns were up by 11 37 to 26 but yes he banged his hand and you can see he's kind of just like shaking his hand. He was shaking his hand. It's like, okay. And since then, from that point on, he struggled to shoot the ball very well. So Devin Booker, who's been playing great basketball, I mean, he's been playing great, you know, struggled last night after that first quarter. And, you know, you do question whether the hand was a problem for yeah, him. Yeah, I, I, I got to imagine it was bothering him a little bit. He just looked a little bit off. He, he's been, his month of March has been so spectacular. It's like, okay, you, you know, even if he just had an off night, it would be one of those forgivable things where you wouldn't worry about it too much. But you do wonder about the hand. Now, the story coming out today, and again, it's just kind of a, it's reiterating something that we already suspected and we already believed. Sham Sharania tweeting out today that Kevin Durant is indeed expected to return to action on Wednesday after spraining his left ankle earlier this month. 13-time All-Star happened March 8th when they were getting ready for the Thunder. He slipped during warm-ups. They've gone four and six without him. That gives them Gambo seven games to kind of figure their stuff out with Kevin Durant, you and I both don't think he's going to play in all of those games. I would imagine he misses one of them because of a back-to-back. I think everything's every other day. So tomorrow is what? So they play Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. It's every other day until they hit that back-to-back. So, you're correct. You know, be interesting to see what Monty wants to do. I mean, you want to get him, you know, some time on the court with everybody, but you also want to get him to the finish line healthy before the playoffs start. So I don't imagine that he would play in the back-to-back. But you know, it's you know, a lot of this is up to him too. I mean, Kevin Durant ultimately will determine, you know, with Monty that he's ready to come back tomorrow and then how much he he's going to want to play. Yeah, uh, Monty didn't want to talk much about it yesterday. He wouldn't confirm it. We don't know for sure. And Shams just that he's is working reporting his it. Just that he's off, working yeah. his tail off and that they expect that he's going to be back soon. Obviously, everybody's excited about it. Obviously, everyone's going to be holding their breath during pregame. Look, and I think if we're just being honest about it, I, I, I hate to say it like this. I think we're going to do a lot of breath holding when it comes to Kevin Durant. I think I think from here on out, we're going to be holding our breath when it comes to Kevin Durant. I don't know how comfortable we're going to get watching him play basketball. Two injuries this year, a foot injury and a knee injury. That's kept him out. I mean, yeah, he's a, you, know, you look at his body and he's not as sturdy as you would like. He's... You know, somewhat fragile. He's tall and slender, and he's had some injuries. And he's, you know, he's thirty-four years old. I mean, it's fair. It's fair to think about that. You know, now you're not asking him to go play eighty-two games right now. You, you're asking him to just, you know, finish these five or six, seven games, whatever it is. And you know, then you've got a six, seven week gauntlet of games to to try to win an NBA championship. I think it'll be fine. But like, I think about I, okay. Remember last year during the playoffs, Devin Booker hurt his hamstring against New Orleans. Mm-hmm. He comes back, and every time he's playing after that, you're just kind of holding your breath. 
little bit, right? You're gritting your teeth. You're watching, you know, not, like you how, how you watch a horror movie, right? With your hands over your eyes, yeah. you're kind of peeking I, I through I your fingers. Through, yeah. yeah, right. There's a little bit of peek through going on those first few games because you, you, you're worried about something else happening. I can't speak for everybody on this one, I think, when it comes to Kevin Durant. I'm going to be watching those first few games through a hand and like peeking through the fingers because it has been fragile. It has been delicate. It has been hard to count on. And I don't see any of that changing when he comes back on. I'm going to be happy to have him back. But I think that uncertainty of not knowing, is he going to stay for a while? Is this good? Are we okay? I think that that sensation is going to last for a few games. It's bound That's to. crazy. I, I, I kind of find myself every time, like campaign last night was down on the ground for a second or two. And then book with his hand. And when you get... When you feel like you've got a chance to win a championship, I mean, you are kind of, and I don't think it's just Durant. Like, for me, it's just like everything. I mean, every game that they can get through unscathed, okay, that's good. You know, every game. I mean, I know you, a lot of the focus is on Durant, but I'm thinking about it with Chris Paul. I was thinking about it last night in that second quarter with Booker shaking his hand. I was thinking about it when Torrey Craig went down with his tooth on the floor. I thought about it last night when Campaign was on the ground for a couple seconds. Like, I kind of find myself thinking that, man, this, you know, this, this, this team has not been healthy this year. Yeah. And if they can get healthy, I think that they, I think they're the favorites to get out of the West if they can get healthy and stay healthy. Well, we're still working on tracking down campaign. I hope we can make that happen. I just want to let everyone know we're still working on it. Hopefully we can, we'll stay on this conversation for a little bit because this is a good one. That's what makes what the Suns have done with their roster so much more challenging as a fan. Now, you're excited about it because the ceiling is so high when you've got four great players. But because they're now so top-heavy, right? Like before, before a guy goes down, like let's take the finals run a couple of years ago, okay? Chris Paul gets COVID. Okay, they, they, they managed it, right? He missed a few games and they managed it. Last year, Devin Booker injures his hamstring against the Pelicans. They managed it. They got through the series. Now we're to the stage where those top four guys are so important. Like you said, Torrey Craig. They can afford for Torrey Craig to miss a game or two. They have, the, they have the depth to overcome that. The way Biombo is played, that's a good Landale, one. Landale, can they afford, like, I don't know if I look at DA the same. I came back last night. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I'd rather have him than not have him, but I think out of the four guys, the guy you could afford to lose the most would be D.A. I think he's so important for what they do defensively, especially now without Mikel. I wouldn't want to lose him on that end. I don't th- I don't think they can... Re- I know Biombo blocks the shots. He does. That, that D.A. doesn't, but uh-huh. Biombo's just not nearly as light on his feet as D.A. is. I mean, Biombo can get... You can you can get Biombo on a bad matchup if you want, if you're an opposing coach through a series of switches. DeAndre Ayton, not that he's foolproof for something like that, but he is much more immune to that than Bismack Biombo is. So I would agree with you offensively. Offensively, I think you could not miss D.A. if something were to happen to him. I would not want to find out defensively what this team could do because he's just so valuable. I still on that think, end. and I still think, no matter what, uh, no matter how much he's kind of slid, and he's actually playing a little bit better right now. If you go look at his last few games, I think Chris Paul's very important. Yeah, and I mean, I think he's the, he. I think he is very important for them to stay healthy. One, he still hits the mid range jump shot at a very high level. He still distributes the ball very well and doesn't turn it over. And if you take him out of the game and you have got other people carrying the ball, you're going to have more turnovers. He's kind of the one I was wondering about. If he's the one who's on the cusp of, could you do this without him? Because you did add another ball handler in Durant. Devin Booker can do it. Campaign is playing well, and I really am hoping we're going to get to catch up with him. But to your point about Chris Paul, over his last five games, 
games, and I want to thank uh, Bright Side of the Sun for putting this out there on Twitter. Uh, over his last five games, Chris Paul has 47 assists, four turnovers, seven steals, and three blocks. Wow. He's shooting 42% from range during that stretch, too. You know, he's taking about four per game. The, the, okay, he's not scoring a ton, all right? Doesn't have to on this team anymore when Kevin Durant comes back. 47 assists and four turnovers over five games. Sign me up. I think you need him. I'd sign me I, up. I think that he's got to stay relatively healthy through the playoffs. To miss a game, okay, but I think you need all four. I, th- I think I think any you are very top heavy substantial loss to any of the four would damage. Because let's be honest, they're not the favorites to win the finals. No, right. Milwaukee is. Yeah, Milwaukee is. You see Middleton last night? Yeah, he was unbelievable. Middleton right? killed it last yeah, night. Milwaukee's the favorite. I think in order for them to beat Milwaukee in the finals, if we're lucky enough to even be talking about that, all four have to be healthy, all four have to be good. And I think any missed time by any of them, and then it's not going to work out. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, how many wins are the experts projecting the Arizona Cardinals to get? And does that equal the T word that we're all talking about when it comes to the Cardinals? You know what I'm talking about. Next, Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo, Arizona sports, the local sports leader. Not a lot of suspense in this one. Headline on the story. Yeah. Five NFL teams that should consider tanking for the number one pick in 2023. Yep. Number one on that list. Like I said, not a lot of suspense. Yeah, the Arizona Cardinals. Yep. Number two was the Baltimore Ravens. Number three was the Tennessee Titans. Number four, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And number five, the Rams. <laughs> but number one on the list, teams that should tank is the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, they make a valid point as to why it should be the Cardinals, too. They talk about Murray, and he's not healthy, and you've got a new staff, and, you know, just give him more time to heal. Don't rush him back, and give yourself some some flexibility in the draft next year by tanking this year. Now, what they've done so far in the offseason points towards that's what they're doing. Your your big actions speak louder than words. Well, their actions don't really show a team that's all in trying to win next year, which, again, I'm okay with and you're okay with. Um, and I do think right now that they're probably going to be back in the top five of the draft next year. I'd be very surprised if they weren't. Very. No, I'd be very surprised if they weren't either based off of roster construction and Kyler and things like that. And yeah, I am a big action speak louder than words guy, which is why I'm not getting too bent out of shape over what Jonathan Gannon said today because I believe in the actions of the organization versus the words of the head coach who probably feels some level of requirement to say the right things in moments like that and not you know come out and be totally transparent about what they're doing. Little transparency wouldn't be bad, but total transparency, again, I am actions speak louder than words, and the actions are very, very loud here. I, I have a thought about this, though, and it just popped into my head. Okay. How different, and I know this is a hypothetical that we can't answer and in some ways is completely irrelevant. Let's, but let's try anyway. Let's go down this road for a minute. Mm-hmm. If Kyler wasn't hurt and he was healthy, how different would we feel about what the Cardinals should be trying to do this season? If we knew he was healthy and going to play all 17 games. I think games, it changes it quite a bit. I think it changes it a lot, doesn't yeah, it? I think it does. I think healthy it quarterback it substantially. That, well, especially 
Well, one of the one of the things we talked about yesterday is Kyler was rated as the second best quarterback in the NFC. The NFC does not have great quarterback play. The AFC does. The NFC doesn't have a good great quarterback. So if your quarterback is considered now, I think he's in the mix with about five or six, seven different guys, and you can just mix them all up in a bag and put, and I don't know who's better. Like I don't, I really don't know who's better. They thought that he was the second best to Hertz of the Eagles. Could be the third, fourth, fifth, or whatever. Because the NFC doesn't have great quarterback play, if Kyler Murray progresses and does well, you should have a chance to win football games. Now, if he's going to be out four, five, six, seven games, I think, you know, that that's a lot. Like, that's a lot. And he's coming back from a serious injury mm-hmm. and surgery. Now, I also think that I don't, you know, a lot of times with an injury like this, you almost need a year back before yes. you're oh. before you're back yeah if you know what i mean well, what i'm trying to say especially for a quarterback like kyler yeah you need a year to like play kind of test it out get uh-huh. your confidence you know believe in your knee get again. your mind right with it yeah, to mentally no yeah, you mentally. can do the things you want to do and i think for kyler who, who relies on his legs so much it's even extra important as it is for maybe a statue type pocket quarterback back there it's like a pitcher coming back of from course a, of course from, a, from an elbow surgery you almost need that one year under your belt okay you got back you threw some innings you weren't great but the next year you'll be back yeah and this is look this is not to say that the state of the roster is great this is not that the the state of the the, the salary cap isn't great or the draft inventory. I mean, this organization has been kind of left in a really bad spot with the talent on the roster. All right. But I do think that if Kyler Murray were completely healthy and had not torn his ACL against the Patriots last December, that we're not having this conversation. I, I mean, I, I believe I have to go double check. I think Kyler's cap hit this year is only like $16 million. Yeah, I, I mean, next year, next year, next year balloons, up. right? Uh-huh, yeah. This year, you've actually would have theoretically had this window to be very competitive with a quarterback who's got a cap hit of only $16 million with other things you could have done around him if you were in a better spot to do it. But because he's hurt, this is why you and I don't mind the idea of an organization taking a reset year. If ever there was an organization to do it, it's this one right now. The cap situation's screwed. They haven't hit on their draft picks. They've had to make a lot of mistakes in free agency. And oh, by the way, their quarterback might miss half the season. Add it all up. It's the it's almost the perfect recipe to, for lack of a better word, tank. Now, you and I both know this. Players don't tank. I don't even really think coaches tank. Right, I think organizations kind of decide in the sure. front office, right? Like, I mean, look at the Coyotes. Right, Armstrong wants to have the top pick in the draft, but the team's like, "Yeah, we got other ideas. We want to win some yeah. hockey." Players games. are playing, coaches are coaching. Yeah. They're winning. They're trying yeah. to win games. They, they haven't lately, but they're winning more than people thought. Right? I don't think players and coaches will ever actively try to lose games, but I think organizations will understand this is just not going to be our year. And I do think it is in the Cardinals' best interest to do that. I think it would be different if Kyler were healthy, and if Kyler were healthy. I don't think we'd be talking about the Cardinals like this. And if Kyler were healthy, I don't think they'd be approaching the offseason the way they are. I really don't. I, this, this, it might be different. I, I think the free agency approach, the philosophy would be totally, and they certainly wouldn't be looking to trade DeAndre Hopkins if Kyler Murray were healthy. I don't think they'd be looking to move D-Hop in year one of a new coach and a new GM if Kyler Murray were completely healthy. I could be wrong. I don't think they would I be. Could, I could buy what you're saying. Now, I don't know how that would have affected Byron Murphy and Zach Allen, but I could buy that a little bit that you might be like, look, he's healthy. We, well, let's let's go if we had a bad... Listen, last year there were a lot of injuries, okay? The whole team was injured. You got a six-game suspension for your top wide receiver. You trade for Hollywood Brown. He comes back. He gets hurt. Like, they were hurt all year long. 
So, I mean, you could have made the argument that with a healthy roster, they would have had a chance to compete for a playoff spot. Meanwhile, the Arizona Cardinals, according to the sports books that are starting to release their win totals for the upcoming season. Yeah, they know. 5.5. Yeah, they know. Lowest projected total for the upcoming 2023 season. I'll take the under. Yeah, well, they only won four games last year. Yeah, I'll take the under. And what, the way they're constructed right now, I don't think they win five losing games. Losing J.J. Watt, losing Zach Allen, losing Byron Murphy. No Kyler Murray for maybe half the season, and who knows what version of him you get when you get back. I'd probably be inclined to take the under two at five and a half. Now, you play two against San Fran. They're going to be they're going to be juggernauts. You're not going to beat them. You'll play two against the Rams. You know, the Rams aren't that good, um, but they're still better than you. And in Seattle, you know, they're kind of all in to try to make the playoffs, you know, again. So I think... I mean, I think Seattle's going to be a going to be a tough chore for the Cardinals. Even with Geno Smith as the quarterback, they've made some good moves in free agency. I think they'll be the second best team in the division. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, I look, it's it's what it is for the Cardinals, and I try to avoid the cliche. It is what it is, but this is the situation they're in, and, and this is the approach that they're taking. And we heard Jonathan Gannon today, and Jonathan Gannon is is still very supportive of the guys they signed and the team that they've got. I think that's partially his job and his responsibility to do that. But I also think. Most most fans kind of know, you know, I think Vegas kind of knows. I think all the power rankings that have the Cardinals as one of the worst teams in the NFL, if not the worst team in the NFL, I think they know. I think we all kind of know what's going on with this team. I hope they know. Actions speak. I, they, they hope they know. They have to. I just, they're not saying it. They're not even giving us a little morsel of what might be going on here. And that is frustrating. I got to admit, it was kind of refreshing what the Rams did on Friday of last week. I thought so. The COO, was that who it was? The COO? Kind of refreshing. You know what? This might be a reset year for. We're going to try to win, but this might be a bit of a reset year for. Yeah, just realistic expectations. And again, like, I'm totally on board. Sometimes you have to hit the reset button. Sometimes you have to say, look, I got a new coach. I got a new GM. I got a lot of players here that aren't that good. Half the year. I mean, you know, what do you want us to do? Like, we're going to lose some game. You know, I'm not going to go all in on free agency. going to try to build through the draft over the next couple. I can find with that. Texas, your thoughts. The FanDuel text line is open for you at 620-620 right now. Our next guest, along with the rest of the Suns bench, they've been holding up their end of the bargain. Campaign, we tracked them down. He'll join us next exclusively on Arizona Sports. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. This is going to be probably the craziest NBA playoffs ever. I mean, if you ask me right now, I'm probably going to pick the Nuggets and the Bucks. But I'm going to put it, you know, as they say, I'm going to write it down in pencil. I'm not going to write it down in permanent. I'm not going to write it down in permanent ink. That's Charles Barkley this morning on with the Bickley Murata show. Nuggets, box, in pencil, not in pen. I mean, the Nuggets can defend. Yeah. The, the only teams I see that could beat Phoenix are, are teams that could defend Phoenix. So that's why, like Milwaukee, I think Milwaukee and Boston the East definitely can defend. 
I think the Clippers, if Paul George is healthy, with they can defend Phoenix. So I give them a chance. Denver, I think that they've got the, the guys that can defend. So I would I I would not pick a team that can't defend as a team that could beat Phoenix. Yeah, and, and uh, Denver doesn't have what was that stat you had last week? That Nugget about the Nuggets about how defensively they're like sixteen. The defensive in the efficiency NBA. is sixteen. It is, right. Yeah, it's, and the, the teams have a hard time winning a championship with a defensive efficiency that low. So I, I do think that might work against them. I think that's going to work against the Sacramento Kings to a certain extent. The Suns are going to have to defend better, you know, in order to be one of those considered one of those teams. And obviously, the Suns are capable of doing that. We've seen them play good, but that was you know Mikel Bridges. That was before the trade. That was Jay Crowder a year ago when they were an elite I saw defensive. The craziest team. stat: the Dinwiddie. Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson have played more to games together on the Nets than Kyrie, KD, and Harden did already. Really? Yeah. Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, and Spencer Dinwiddie have played more games together with the Nets than Kyrie, KD, and James Harden did in all their time there. <laughs> that's that's absolutely crazy. It's true. It's true. If it's going to be the Clippers in a 4-5 matchup, Charles Barkley says he does believe the Suns would beat the Clippers if it's going to be a 4-5 matchup. But we'll react to what Charles Barkley had to say on the morning show a little bit. Right now, it is time to catch up with the Suns player coming off the court. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. leader. Coming off the court. You hear it straight from a Suns player. With Burns and Gambo. Brought to you by America Roofing. Arizona's number one roofer online at americaroofingco.com. For a free estimate or 10% off any roof repair. That's americaroofingco.com. And knowing that he's like a jolt of lightning. Knowing that he is going to be like a shot of espresso at 3.34 in the afternoon on a Tuesday. Campaign's going to bring some energy when he comes on with us. I'm feeling it. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, the backup point guard for the Suns. Campaign joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. What's going on, Cam? How you doing? Uh, no much. What's going on? I guess I got to come in hot. You got to come in. Up. So, gotta... man, what's going on? <laughs> man, I'll tell you, I'm really impressed by that bench these last two games. I mean, incredible fourth quarter, you know, against Philly. You were incredible with the 12 points, the two three-pointers, and then you back it up with this game. You guys, the last couple of games, you guys have taken it upon yourself to, to make sure those starters aren't coming off the bench very much. Tell me about that. Uh man, we just we just starting to find a little groove, uh just starting to find, you know, uh where we thrive. Um uh T Ross and, and, and T J been playing tremendous. Uh they've been knocking down shots. But honestly, man, it's our defense in the second unit. Uh we've been kind of being able to push the pace. Um yesterday uh with Utah we, we knew we had to force force them to miss shots so we can push the pace so they couldn't set up their zone and uh, we kinda took a big time lead in the second half. And uh, kept our guys on that bench, man. Anytime we could do that, man. But on the flip side, man, it's it's, it's cool for us to be out there even even longer, getting synergy, um, and just man figuring out each other's tendencies. All right, tell me the truth. I mean, you're sitting there, you're looking over at the bench, you're making sure those guys stay. Uh, you know, you guys want to stay on the court. You want to finish those games out. You want to try to make sure those other guys don't have to come back. Give them the rest. So, <laughs> how often are you looking over at Monty, looking over at the bench, making sure he's not getting anybody up? <laughs> Oh man, all the time, <laughs> all the time, all the time, all the time. But honestly, man, it it all matters what's going on on the court, man. If we if we keep pushing the lead, sometimes, man, coach coach just takes the confidence and uh, w- w- within the team and let us finish it on out. 
campaign, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. I'm glad you mentioned confidence because I, I know every NBA player thrives on it. For you specifically, how much when things are going well for you, how much better do you feel when you're out there? How much better do you perform when you're out there, knowing that your confidence level internally is high when you're having success? Uh, man, it feels good. Uh, I mean, confidence can go here and there. Uh, but, man, when the confidence is booming, man, it just, it just seems like you have a different feel when you're going to the game, different feel when you're going to the gym. Uh, you just feel more comfortable, feel more in control in what's going on. And, uh, man, it's always a plus when everybody has their confidence flowing. For me personally, I love it. Uh, but I, but uh, like Coach Martin says, like the backup point guard got to be the most solid guy. So I'm trying to stay, you know, so I know my energy shows a lot. So I'm trying to, uh, you know what I'm saying, keep it at a neutral neutral speed, you know what I'm saying? Uh, don't don't try to get too high. Don't try to get too low. Uh, just kind of keep it at that same pace. Uh, but, man, confidence is huge in the league. When you got your confidence going, man, a lot of good things can happen for you. Yeah, well, we, we've – I'm glad you brought that up about the energy because we were joking at the beginning about you being like a shot of espresso, right? You are a high, high energy guy. Do you yeah. do you feel like at times you, you need to dial that back? You want to dial that up? How, how do you kind of manage your energy and your kind of your output when you're out there? Because you're a high energy guy. Do you feel like you need to bring that back or do you need to ramp it up a little bit? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like I, I I feel like I keep my energy, you know, what I'm saying in a pretty decent spot. But you know, obviously on the court, sometimes I could get too high. Uh, so that's the part of the game that I'm working on, uh, that I've been working on. I'll probably so to say I've been getting better at it. Uh, but it's a lot of CP3 man watching him play. He knows how to uh, turn it up and, and turn it down. And so I'm just trying to figure out how to navigate in between the two. I know sometimes you got to be turbo. You got to be super energetic, but there's also times where you kind of just got to be solid and um, just kind of just be kind of cool, kind of give you a little book feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that you could bring something to this team that they lack. We all talk about the lack of you guys don't get to the free throw line as much as everybody else. You're a, you're a jump shooting team, a mid-range jump shooting team. But I, you know, two years ago in the playoffs against the Lakers, you killed the Lakers. They couldn't stop you. You were getting behind them every single play with your explosiveness. Last night, I watched you get fouled and go to the free throw line, hit three free throws in that fourth quarter. And then the next time you got the ball, you drove for a layup. Do you think you can help in that area trying to get to the free throw line with your ability to take the ball to the rim? Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, I feel like I can definitely help in that area. I just got to find ways to keep getting into the paint. Um, I know we've been big on the rest, trying to figure out ways how to get more fouls, trying to figure out ways how to not foul. Um, and obviously they've been giving us good feedback. Uh, so, like, even Bookman, he's been dropping it up to the basket more. He's been getting a lot of free throws. So that's been one of the pillars we've been talking about as a team to try to get to the line more, try to try to get inside the paint a little bit more. And, uh, I mean, we, we've just been picking up the pace. And, and like I said, the game being a little bit more sped up and not slowing down, like, we've been sending people to the line a lot. So keeping people off the line kind of increases our chance of getting inside the paint so the defense can't set up on the other end. Uh, so always trying to be able to push the pace. I feel like that, that allows us 
like shooting early in the shot clock, that allows us to get more uh, opportunities at the basket, more opportunities at the free throw line. Yeah, Book went to the, before last night, the previous two games, Book went to the line 23 times in two games. That's a lot. I thought the problem for you guys was more you fouling them than you not getting the calls on your end when you've got the ball. Is that an issue? What are you trying to do to fix the amount of fouls that you guys are committing? Um, it's crazy to say, but man, trying to play perfect defense. I feel like we've been doing that uh, the past two games pretty well. Just kind of keeping our hands, uh, kind of keeping our hands high, not uh, fouling so much when they're driving to the basket. Uh, kind of trusting our bigs to come, you know, what I'm saying get blocks. Like shout out to Busy, he's been taking care of that paint. So uh, just kind of keeping our hands up. And like I said, man, on misses and makes, as long as. There's no free throws involved. I feel like we got a greater chance of getting deep inside the paint and like pushing pace and not allowing the other teams to set up their defense. Campaign, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Suns and the Timberwolves tomorrow with the expectation that Kevin Durant will be back. We, we, Cam, we've been talking a lot today about the bench, the guys who have been stepping up and playing well these last couple of games, not knowing what it's going to look like come playoff time. We're assuming that because you are the backup point guard, that your minutes are basically assured come playoff time. Are you assuming the same thing when it comes to this rotation and how it all shakes out? Uh, no, nah, not really. Uh, I mean, we, we, we got so many guys that we can throw out there. I feel like it's just going to be up in the air, man. I feel like we're, we're so talented. Um, I feel like, you know, we can we can go big, we can go small. So I feel like it'll, it'll change depending on who we're playing. Uh, but the type of guys we got, man, even myself, like, Anything, any, anything for us to win a championship. That's what it's all about. So if that is getting more minutes or taking less minutes, man, it's, it's all about winning, winning that championship and bringing that championship home. So whatever, whatever we got to do um, to find ways to win, man, we all for it. All right, be honest with me. How how often are you looking at the standings and what your matchup may be? If you're the four, you got the Clippers, you got the Warriors, got the T Wolves all right behind you. How often are you looking at those standings, trying to figure out who you may play? The crazy part is I'm not looking at the standards on who we going to play. I'm more so just looking at the standards, make sure we stay where we are. You want to make sure you have home court advantage, at least in the first round, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. We got the best fans, man. We got to have them rocking with us. Is there, is there any team that you feel could be more of a challenge to you than another team, the teams that are behind you and chasing you right now? I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, because we haven't had everybody playing at one time. So that question, I, I don't really know. Uh, I just feel like we should just be ready with whoever we get. Cam, it's been a pleasure as always. Thanks for coming on for a few minutes. I'm glad we were able to hook up. Good luck the rest of the season. Good luck in the postseason. We'll talk soon, okay? All right, appreciate you guys. It was always a pleasure. Thank you, Cam. Appreciate it. Campaign joining us on the Arizona Sports Line here in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Suns, Timberwolves tomorrow. The anticipated return of Kevin Durant off the ankle injury. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we're about 48 hours away from opening day for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Things are coming into focus, and anticipation is moderately high for this team, and that's kind of fun. We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. In all honesty, I think we're going to compete for a playoff spot. Um, You know, I think um, one fold of that is, you know, if if you don't think you can compete for a playoff spot, what are you you doing it for? What are you suiting up for? Um, But two fold of that is is the fact that I actually do think we have the talent 
um, you know, whether it's from the veteran side, the young side, pitching, the defense, the base running, um, you know, all the way to, you know, just our analytics staff and, and pairing us with that knowledge. Um, and I, I think I think this is going to be an exciting year for us. Um, and I, I haven't been able to say that with full-on confidence, um, you know, so far in my big league career. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Diamondbacks ace Zach Gallen, who was on with us earlier, who is going to get the opening day start, his first ever opening day start for the Diamondbacks. It's a, he told us earlier in the show that, you know, they, they kind of kept it under wraps. He kind of knew it was coming, but he wasn't sure it was coming. He's got his whole family that's going to be there. It's, that's a that's big so cool. deal. For, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal for him. That is quite an accomplishment for him. And he had a terrible spring. He we did. didn't bring it up because he's not like he like he's even said like I don't even do scouting reports because I don't know half the guys I'm pitching to. I don't worry. So about that. like his spring was brutal, but I don't think it means anything because again, it's not like he knows a lot of the pitchers he's the players he's pitching to. So he's not doing a lot of reports that, on them. And he's messing around with the pitch clock, right? He was kind of fooling around with it to see what he could get away with, what he yeah. couldn't get away with. I, I, I really am not worried about that. If anything, what, what would worry me about Zach Gallon is just the number of innings he threw last year because he brought that up a couple times. Yes, like, yes. Number of innings I threw last year and just kind of making sure I got enough rest so that my body's ready to do even more this year. That would be the big thing. The Diamondbacks are two days away from opening up the season. There were a few eyes to dot. There were a few T's to cross on the roster. They've been dotted. They've been crossed. Yeah, I broke a couple of stories just earlier today. Uh, Tori Lovello just confirmed it about 30 minutes ago, but I reported this morning that Carlos Vargas has won the final spot in the bullpen for the Diamondbacks and that Jose Herrera will start as the backup catcher. Carson Kelly expected to miss the first two months of the season. So Herrera, uh, he knows the D-backs pitchers. He was here last year. They're going to hope he can hold Hold down the job until Kelly returns. Now, an interesting thing on Herrera, the Diamondbacks definitely prefer defense over offense with their backup catcher, which a lot of teams do. So the fact that he doesn't hit very well, it, it's it's not as much of an issue as long as his defense is good because teams are probably going to put a lot of pressure on the Diamondbacks. A lot of teams are going to try to be aggressive with the base running this year with the new rules. So keep your eye on that. Now, he's not a good hitter, but if he can't hit at all, then maybe they go and figure out how to how to address it somewhere else, but Herrera will be given every opportunity to be the backup catcher while Carson Kelly is out. There was also a move that I don't think you had um, that they just announced a little bit ago. Joe Mantiply is going to head to the injured list with shoulder fatigue. Ooh, okay. Kyle Nelson is being recalled. That, according to Tori Lovello, as he held his post-game press conference, the final kind of warm-up to the season was at Chase Field today. It's done now. Diamondbacks are playing the Guardians. After that game, uh, Tori Lovello met with the media and said Joe Mantiply is headed to the IL with shoulder fatigue. So Kyle Nelson, who was just sent down, it's Ryan yes. Nelson, who made the, who, team, who made as the team as the fifth starter. Dre Jamison's pitching out of the bullpen as well. Kyle Nelson is now taking uh, Mantiply's spot for now in the bullpen because he's got the shoulder fatigue. So a little, again, dot and I's crossing T's before the season starts in a couple of days. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you look at the, the rotation and they're going to go one-two with Gallon and Kelly and then Madison Bumgarner's going to be your number three. And then, you know, we'll see how it goes from there. I'm looking forward to seeing Nelson pitch. I, you know, Jameson, I really like him. He's going to be in the bullpen. I still think that they've got tremendous talent in the minors and Brandon Fat. And and this offense, I mean, this offense is going to be very, you know, without the without the 
shift. I think the Diamondbacks left-handed hitters are going to have a lot more success. They're going to have a great defensive team, especially in the outfield. They're going to be very good. They added the leadership with Longoria. I'm excited about this team pushing for a chance to, to maybe get a wild-card spot. I'm excited about it, too. I'm cautiously excited about it. And the reason why I'm a little cautious about it is the kind of the age-old concerns about the bullpen and whether they have enough. I'm a little concerned about the rotation, I'm not going to lie to you. At least right out of the shoots. I, I suspect Merrill Kelly might take a little bit of a step back this year because he was so good last year, and that's just not... I don't know if he profiles to being that good every year at his age, so I'm worried that maybe he's going to take a little bit of a step back. Not a huge step back. I think he's going to be bad. Just a step back. Very worried about Mad Bum. Really unsure about Zach Davies. Wondering how long they go before they start flooding their rotation with some of those young guys, because that can be a risky proposition, sure, too. Sure. I just... I don't I'm know. not a Zach Davies fan. I, I just, don't... I'm not... A, I don't think he's that good. I, I mean, I think there are are two-fifths of the starting rotation that I'm really not sure about. Mad Bum and Zach Davies okay. are two of them, and I'm kind of, I'm just thinking Merrill Kelly's not going to be as good as he was a year ago, which means that rotation, there's some question marks in there for me. Offensively, I think they're going to score runs in bunches. I think they're going to be thrilling to watch play baseball. They're what about gonna, the bullpen? The bullpen, I just don't Man, know. They, uh, got sw- they got swing and miss. I'm excited about the swing and miss look, stuff. A, bull- yeah, a bunch of three guys that throw over 95. Like, they got some heat coming out of the bullpen. Bullpens are so volatile. You never really... They are the proverbial like four Gump box chocolates, right? You never really know what you've got until you know. You never really know what kind of piece of chocolate you've got until you take a bite into it. I think that's what this... I think that's what this bullpen is. I think it could be good. I think it can't be any worse than it was a year ago. So bad. I think they'll be better. I think I think it's better constructed for success because of the hard you know the hard throwers the hard throwers they've got the swing and miss guys I they've know, got. I, I think know. they're better wired. I for love that. guys that miss bats because when you come in a situation you got two guys on and one out and you got to get out of a jam. Man, the best way to get out of jam is have a strikeout. So they've got guys that could throw the ball by bats. I really like that. So and I think bringing Andrew Chafin back was terrific because I'm a big Chafin fan. I think he's really good and they've got versatility now. They finally got right-handed bats in the lineup. So with, you know, Lords Goriel and Lewis and Longoria, I think they've got the right-handed bats to 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 uh, to kind of make the lineup a little more balanced. I'm ex- I mean I'm, I'm intrigued by shortstop because Nick Ahmed's not here past this year. Is it Ahmed? Is it Perdermo? It's probably going to be Ahmed, but how good is Nick Ahmed going to be and what probably is his final year with the D-backs? When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, and just like that, it's 4 o'clock, which means it's time to hit the reset button on the show. We'll get you caught up on everything you need to know about next on Burns and Gambo.